Hey, if you're feeling a little confused about what day it is, it makes sense. Somehow there's a Monday energy, it's combined with Thursday, but also Friday. It's all good though, because you know what time of the week it is, because it's the shake-up. I'm Dave Marchese. It means it must be the end. You've already had a little taste of the weekend. Now you get to dive back into it. But first, let's get into some of the stories that got you talking. Hack. At this checkpoint on the Russia-Finland border, cars are backing up. It's the chicken pie or nothing. This is how I would go dress to work. Like, who's going to stop me? On Triple J. Yeah, so much to unpack today. And remember, I'm going to want to hear from you, so hit me up on the text line. Call in. You're going to join an elite squad of social commentators if you do. They're right in front of me now. It's time to meet them. On the shake-up today... First journalist, presenter, host of the Left Right Out podcast, Elfie Scott. How the hell are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Obviously, it is the Friday after a public holiday. I'm operating at about 30% capacity, oh, but we'll do our best. I was going to ask, was yesterday kind of, you know, a bit of a, bit of a moment? We were Yeah, and look, feeling... I spent it with Perry as well, so oh, now we're here together. Oh, what the hell? Yeah, that's weird. So our next Shake Up guest just happens to be a friend of yours, um... The media elite over here, uh, fresh from a European holiday. Actually, you both were on a European holiday recently, right? Yes. This is crazy. The <laughs> lives just match up very, very closely. Daily Telegraph's chief court reporter, Perry Duffin. How are you doing? Dave, I'm well. I'm a bit hungover. I think I mourned too hard yeah. and enthusiastically yesterday, oh, maybe. I'm not sure that was the point of the day, if yeah. I'm going to be... Well, we didn't serious. get instructions, did we? I didn't no. know what to do. Hey, no. And that was the thing. People were a little bit confused. We'd never experienced that before. There's no one to blame for maybe going a bit too hard. But luckily, it's Friday. You've got a bit of time to recover now. And sorry to bang on about this, but, yeah, we need you as well on the blower. If you want to talk, if you've got an opinion, let us know. We want to hear it on the text line 0439757555. But first, we need to get into the stories. Elfie, Perry, are you ready to go? Born ready. Let's do Barely. it. Pack. Panic is spreading throughout Russia as the reality of its military mobilisation sinks in. On Triple J. Yeah, have you seen what's happening in Russia? We know there's been a change in the war in Ukraine recently with the Ukrainian forces gaining the upper hand, reclaiming a heap of territory. Now Russian President Vladimir Putin's announced he's going to summon hundreds of thousands of Russians to fight, to help out. And young people across Russia are not having a bar of it. Hack. Russian men who are worried they may be conscripted to fight in Ukraine are now fleeing in droves. Traffic at the borders has increased and the price of flights out of the country has soared. Russians like Nikita are leaving because they're scared of being sent to war. Yes, I'm afraid. Why are you afraid? Because uh, it's a very big mistake for Russia, for Europe and, of course, for Ukraine citizens. I think in relation to Mr Putin's comments, I said yesterday uh, they are both unthinkable and irresponsible. In response, protesters have taken to the streets, but the crackdown has been swift, with reports of more than 1,000 arrests. Look, this is a difficult time. It's a time of great change. Uh, and uh, it's a time where we need to be behave in a, a way that is responsible, calm and considered. You know, a lot of people are thinking about how to avoid service or not to be kind of brought into this war. And I think it's important to say this is the moment when the war kind of came home for a lot of Russian people. On Triple J. Yeah, I'm keen to hear what you think of this. Are you surprised by how quickly this is all fired up again? Maybe you're from Russia or you've got mates there. You've heard something about this. I mean, even if you don't have mates there, it's not too hard to put yourself in the shoes of some of these Russians. I'm wondering if your government announced you'd have to go fight in war. Is it something that you do? Do you believe in conscription? 
Message in 0439 757 You can call in as well, 1300 Let's get into it. Shake Up Guests, podcast host, journalist Elfie Scott and court reporter Perry Duffin. Elfie, have you been following what's been happening in Ukraine pretty closely or is it something that has kind of moved to the background these days as, you know, other stories have started after the election? There's been a whole bunch of other stuff kicking off. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There has been a lot of other stuff to keep on top of, especially doing politics podcasts. But... You know, I I have been dipping in and out of this topic and I am not surprised to see what has happened in recent days in terms of Russia's response after we saw that big Ukrainian push two or three weeks ago. Um, Yeah, it's not surprising to see that they're acting a little bit desperately at this point. Yeah, it's pretty wild, Perry. Like the Russian government is saying, oh, these reports of young men fleeing are very exaggerated. What do you think? Is Moscow just trying to hose all of this down? Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine if the army came and knocked on your door and tried to recruit you. I would be like, you can do better. There's (laughs) someone out there who can actually help you here. This is not me. But, you know, they thought they were going to win in three days and they sent in the best troops ever into the Ukraine and they're now on day 200 or something and they're drafting regular folks or reservists. What does that say about it? I mean, they're in trouble, surely. Yeah, and I mean, the scenes that we've seen over the past couple of days, and we're going to keep seeing them over the weekend, I would imagine, massive protests of mainly young people protesting against this war, against this mobilisation conscription. Elfie, when you see that kind of stuff, how does it make you feel as a person, same age, seeing people, you know, like you in a very different situation overseas? Oh, it's really hard to see, honestly. And it's been hard from the beginning. Like, you know that these young people don't have faith in what Putin is trying to do. And it makes me scared for them as well, because I do imagine that the Kremlin is just going to put the boot down and try and force these people into Ukraine. But yeah, it, it makes me sad, but it also gives me a little bit of hope that there's some way that Putin will have to withdraw. We saw some reports coming out early of like young people being like, I, we can't um, do this. We don't want to do, do this. One 26-year-old student told the BBC, you know, I'll break my arm, I'll break my leg, I'll do anything to avoid the draft. Dodging the draft is a criminal offence in Russia. Does it surprise you, Perry, that mandated military service is still a thing in so many countries? Because when I was looking, I was like, which countries do this right? And it's like Switzerland, Denmark, Finland. Ukraine was going to get rid of conscription, but obviously they decided when the war kicked off that that wasn't going to happen. There are about 85 countries around the world that have some form of obligatory military training. Does that mm. surprise you? It does. It does. I'm, I'm surprised it's that high. But, you know, the more... I think about it, you know, you get a whole bunch of blokes turning 18, leaving school. I think they probably do need some kind of structure. I don't think it needs to be military, but I like the idea of some type of national service. Maybe you could get free uni if you went and, I don't know, like worked as a park ranger or something like that. You know, I think they're, it's not the worst idea to get young blokes to do something, you know, with a lot of structure, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, 85, is that what you said? 85 countries? Yeah, Crazy, 85 man. countries. It's so many, right? We're hearing from people on the text line. Someone says, I don't believe in conscription for a war not within my country, but if it was on Australian soil, I'd expect to be conscripted. Robbie says, I'd be absolutely devastated if I was a Russian citizen and forced to fight in this war, not because I'm scared of the war itself. It's because I totally disagree with the war to start with. And another person says, there's a lot of people who live in Russia. I feel like the media is exaggerating to some extent the number of Russians fleeing. 
And for those that are fleeing, maybe it was more the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, yeah, the Kremlin's been saying, oh, this is actually such a small amount of people that are being conscripted. It's like 1%, that's all it is. It's not a big deal. Ukraine's president's now pressuring the world to keep sending support, right? He's saying... We need it more now than ever. It might look like we're in a good situation, but that could change very quickly. Elfie, do you think there is a risk that everyone's just going to forget about this or lose focus as other priorities take over in different countries? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are so many other priorities, especially in Australia at the moment, but with a massively flailing economy and things like that. But you know what? I really do hope that the support for the Ukraine military is upped. I hope that more sanctions are put on Russia as well, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, I know there is the obvious risk and there's been the sort of blackmailing attempt on uh, nuclear threats from Putin. But at the same time, I really hope that we just continue to give them as much support as humanly possible. And Perry, what do you think of the world's response so far? Do you think it's been measured, appropriate? How do you view this? I mean, you're not known as a foreign policy expert, but just as a uh, general really? person, you know? <laughs> no, that's how I've been building myself. You're like, wasn't that why I was invited in? Yeah, what? No, I think that um, there's been times where I've really wished that there was more happening. You it's know? kind of hard to know what's happening behind the scenes as well. Mm, you know, yeah. like and in terms of support, it takes a while for it to get there and be used. Like when we saw Ukraine really doing well, when we spoke to some experts here on Hack, they said, oh, that's because the support everyone was sending weeks or months ago mm. is finally getting to the, the places it's needed, right? Yeah, so apparently it's allowed them to plan things like this counteroffensive is they know that they'll have X amount of support in a month or in two months. And so before that, they had to be defensive. But once you you know, give the Ukrainians an idea of what's coming for them in terms of supplies or equipment, then they can bank on that and plan for the future. So I think we do need to keep it up regularly, at least not just one big thing and that's it, but regular support. Got a lot of messages coming through on this one. Andrew in Newcastle says, with a big influx of conscripts, the military brass might start thinking about a coup. Someone else says Putin mobilising conscripts could be viewed as defending Russia against an aggressor, but it's the other way around. They are the aggressor and actually need uh, to draft to attack Ukraine. It worries me. Somebody else says conscription is bad, but another person says it's good. Hack. Personally, I don't give a fiddlers about what corners do with their meals. On Triple J. I don't give a fiddlers what Qantas does with their meals. What's a old, old mate spoke for about <laughs> 10 minutes on Sky News about that, so he clearly cares a little bit. But anyway, I reckon it's fair to say hasn't been the best of times for Qantas lately, right? The media's been filled with reports of cost-cutting, bad service. It's clear a lot of customers are angry. So when a story blew up this week about a national carrier skimping on vegetarian meals for some domestic flights, let's just say people were ready to rage it. Hack. Qantas has now dumped the vegetarian meal. Oh, shock horror. Apparently, it's a move to have only one meal choice on Qantas domestic routes, or as one outraged vego put it, it's the chicken pie or nothing. I think we need meals. The idea that we should go without any food on a flight. I mean, what else are we doing on there? Uh, I, Eating's the highlight. An hour you can cope with, right? I can't. No. I just wait for the little thing to come down. Like, oh. Whenever I get on the plane, I want to be served a glass of champagne straight away. But just because it's a flight doesn't mean there has to be food. But, you know, there should definitely be snacks. Because, you know, you get hungry on a plane. Well, personally, I don't give a fiddlers about what Qantas do with their meals, but given their commitment to all things woke, how dare they keep planet-destroying meat on the menu? I mean, don't they follow the science? On Triple J. Yeah, worth hearing that one twice, I reckon. <laughs> I don't give a fiddlers. The backlash. So furious for this one, right? We got news today from Qantas, though. They said, yeah, actually, we're going to 
get more vego options now. We're going to go back to serving vegetarian options on all domestic flights. What do you think of this one? Maybe you're vegetarian and you've been through this. You've watched everyone else on your flight chomping away while you've just got your tiny little water bottle. Or do you reckon this was a huge beat up because the flights are so short anyway, you don't need anything? Let me know, 1300 0555 You can message in 0439 757 Actually, if you've got an idea about the kinds of snacks you wish were on flights, like maybe there's something so small and perfect that you're like, why doesn't an airline just serve that? Let me know. Want to get into this with the Shake Up panel? Podcast host, journalist Elfie Scott and court reporter Perry Duffin. Hey, Elfie, vego? Yes? No? No. No? What do you I look th- like I should be, right? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But I'm wondering, like, is this something that you feel strongly about? Um, well, I'm a sick little tummy girl, so I feel nauseous most of my life. So I was saying to Perry, and I know he disagrees, but I do think that sometimes you need a little bit of food on a flight. I'm sorry. Oh, just to settle things down. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Perry, you're not feeling in a situation right now in this moment after your big day yesterday for a um, uh, aeroplane food, are you? No. I don't think so. You know, I think that if it's too... If it's under two hours, I mean, surely you can just eat at either end. I mean, how desperate are you for this food? But what if you're a little bit ill? (laughs) (laughs) We need to normalise bringing like deli snacks on, I think, you know. Oh, BYO-owned food, you reckon? exactly. You can actually do it. No one stops you. I've done it. Really? Yeah, you can just take food on. I do it all the time. I remember I had this great aunt from Italy and she would come to Australia sometimes and she would smuggle all this stuff on salamis, cheese, all sorts of stuff like to eat on the plane, which was kind of genius when you yeah. think about it, really. I want to go to a caller now. Thomas is on the line. Hey, Thomas, what are your thoughts on this? Thomas, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. What do you reckon of all this Qantas hoo-ha? Oh, Thomas, I don't think we've got him there. But I've got another question for you, Elfie. Qantas mm-hmm. said that it introduced this reduced meal offering during the pandemic to stop food wastage. It said that's why we were only giving one option, right? Because it's, you know, we're, we're throwing out too much food as it is. Do you think that makes sense? Um, I don't know because I kind of assume that the food that you're getting served on airplanes has been there for six to 12 years beforehand, <laughs> right? So I don't know if you're cutting down on waste, but I would say that, I don't know, it sounds a little bit like Qantas trying to dig themselves out of yet another hole this year. Yeah, because I did notice when they announced today that they were backflipping and they were going to offer all these vegetarian options now. They also said, oh, actually, as well, we've, we're um, we're making alcohol available a little earlier on the flight as well. Um, so from 4pm instead of 5pm. So maybe... They're just trying to get in everyone's good books. Um, Thomas is back. We really want to know what Thomas has to say. Are you there, mate? I am here. What do you reckon of all this? The food, I'm like, it's it's not hard to take your own little snacks on board if you want. Okay. And I'm not vegetarian. I live, uh, my family are vegan. Yeah. And so it doesn't cause too many issues. But however, like scrapping a, it, what they did to scrap their vegetarian and vegan meals, I think, was a bad call. However, they could just scrap the meat meals. 
Okay. And offer everyone veg, like a, a vegetable curry. Yeah, right. Well, that's and that's the thing, Thomas. Some people are like messaging in now talking about how it changes depending on which country you're in. Like someone on the text line said, uh, I once was over in India. The vegetarian food on their domestic flight was amazing. So it really does like depend on where you are in the world. What's the worst food do you reckon you've had, Perry? Is there anything that springs to mind? Like earlier Michael Hing was saying he once asked for the vegetarian option and it was just a bowl of rice. <laughs> That's all it was, just plain rice. There's nothing on it, just the bowl of rice. Um, I reckon those croissants that they give you that are just sort of like <laughs> rock hard, you know, like surely they're a danger if there's turbulence. They'll just smash through a window. I think they're <laughs> horrible. They're the worst. But I usually go for the vego option as well because, you know, these people can't keep track of your bags. Why are we trusting them to do a slow-cooked lamb shank? you know, at 30,000 feet. It is weird the kind of things they come up with, right, Elfie? Mm. Like, for instance, I was on this really budget airline, like a small regional one recently, and they came through and they were pretty generous actually, but they were just like, you want a packet of chips or a muesli bar? And I was like, actually, that is all I want. Mm. Like, that made sense. Don't try and we don't need the egg thing. (laughs) We don't need the egg thing. Do you kind of get around the meal time, like when it sort of arrives, and especially you were just on a big long-haul flight, Yeah. do you get a bit excited thinking, oh, it could be the best meal I'm about to have in my life? Well, I I just ate everything available on flights, right? Like I freaking love long-haul flying. Yeah. But I flew with a Scoot around the world recently, which is like Singapore Airlines budget carrier, and everything they have is very like sambal and prawn-based. So as soon as you open it, like the entire cabin smells like somebody just microwaved tuna. Oh. Delicious, but weird. Yeah, that is bizarre. We've got some messages coming through. Someone says, I've taken my own beers on and no one said what? anything. I don't know whether that's allowed. <laughs> I'm not sure. Another person, bring a bag of mandarins on a flight, offer them to co-travellers. You will be a legend. Mm. Peter says that, yeah. I mean, if you're that generous, you're going to have to take a big bag. Someone else says just serve beef jerky. That's something that lasts well. That's not, a sick treat. Yeah, That's a really good idea. And you can kind of like chew on it or fly it if you're into that, but you need a vegetarian option. Mm. That's the whole point of this. Someone else says, I'm a vego. I catch Qantas all the time. I got given two vego meals when everyone else got a meat pie. It was hummus and veggies and biscuits. That sounds amazing. I'd be pretty stoked with that. Well, Qantas came out today and it said, oh, we've heard the message loud and clear. We're in the middle of a broader menu refresh. It's going to roll out next month. And it includes new vegetarian options. And they even said there's going to be corn fritters. And they started really dressing it up what it was going to be. Not everyone's happy. Peter, the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, wrote to the Qantas boss, Alan Joyce, and said, well, what about vegan meals? Why aren't we offering those? They can be enjoyed by everyone. Do you think there needs to be this line that we reach, Elfie, where we do offer food that just anyone can eat, right? That it's just, it doesn't have to be catered to a specific diet. I think it really depends on how long the flight is, right? Like I would expect if you were flying internationally, absolutely, there should be like halal meals and vegan meals available. But uh, yeah, I mean, flying domestically, it's a bit of a line. I don't know. It is hard. It is hard. And I mean, Qantas is in a bit of a bad way at the moment, isn't it, Perry? I mean, we're hearing so many stories all of the time. And then the question always comes up, well, why are their executives paid so much money? And then Alan Joyce, it's revealed he got paid almost $80 million over the past decade. 
Do you think it's fair when people start criticising the management when a lot's going on like this, when there's a lot of criticism of a business? Yeah, I think it is. I think, you know, um, they've had a lot of issues with the unions and stuff like that. And I think you've got to pay your workforce well and you've got to look after the workers. And I think people are quite fairly upset when they hear about all these disputes with the workers and then you have a horrible experience on Qantas. You know, we, we had friends... Uh, in Europe who had put air tags in their luggage and they could watch it on their phone just appearing around the world in like, oh, you know, like, oh, it's in Delhi now, it's in Colombia and it's just like this luggage going around and they're sitting in Portugal just trying to... <laughs> That's a really smart idea though. A lot of people doing that. That's kind of... So. Yeah. Is, but like... you would just like watch your luggage drift away in the Pacific. You it's, know, quite... on <laughs> it's kind of more depressing. You're like, oh, it's not coming here <laughs> anytime soon. Well, you guys were both, like I said, you went to Europe um, for the European summer, had a bit of a trip over there. You were both on separate holidays. But, you know, what did you think of the flying experience? Was it better, worse, the same as pre-COVID? How did it rate, Elfie? Um, well, like I said, I flew with a budget carrier and they were awesome. Yeah. I am not paid by Scoot to be here, but I might as well be. <laughs> Sometimes you're surprised. You're like, well, the expectations were not really high. Perry, mm. what do you think? I don't know. I find You don't it... have to say the name of the thing, but like... No, no, it... I, I, I won't mention the name of anyone. <laughs> do before. it. But um, no, it was brutal for me. I'm, I swear that the chairs are getting smaller and closer together. You reckon? And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I just felt horrible by the end of it. It was just like pain and the, the masks now just cut into your ears. I don't know if anyone else has got big ears, but they feel like they're slicing them off after about 12 hours. Oh, it's, it's not good. good. I, yeah, and I always regret it as soon as I get on board and I see everyone bring out their beautiful headphones yeah. and stuff. I'm like, why? Why did mm. you do that? And all the people I made fun of with the dumb cushions around the neck in the airport, then I'm like, why? Why didn't I do that? <laughs> We've got so many messages coming through. Someone says, I think it's unfair that people with special dietary needs get to be served first. <laughs> okay. Oh, my <laughs> God. really have a thing about that. I've never really thought too much about that, except when I'm really hungry, I guess. Um, somebody else says, just serve cups of two-minute noodles. Mm. That is perfect, right? We love that as, a, as an easy snack that's always reliable. Somebody else says, I was once on a flight from Brisbane to London with no vegetarian options available. I drank a lot. Oh, it sounds like a nightmare. I'm not having anything to eat. Someone says they should have Dunkaroos. Another, you know, possible option. And somebody, Sonia, says, haven't they lost millions? Let them catch up first. All right, so got someone defending Qantas there. Another thing that happened recently was the mask mandate um, has kind of ended for domestic flights. Does that make you feel weird? Like I was on a domestic flight recently and, you know, I saw people without their masks and it did freak me out a little bit. Elfie, do you kind of, like when you're in really crowded spaces, are you one to still grab for the mask? Yeah, especially when you're travelling for business, right? Because it would be so shit to get to the other end and just realise you'd picked up COVID on the flight. I know, obviously, Perry with his massive, unshapely head can't wear them very comfortably. <laughs> 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 I power through it. Uh, you're all I good, <laughs> yeah, we've got some more messages coming through. Someone says, how about we just offer Vegemite Sangers? That'd do. Yeah. Yeah, actually, again, wouldn't be disappointed. And someone else says, mushrooms, mushrooms and more mushrooms. Well, I'm sure he's talking about the legitimate type. Hi. Today we're getting ready to go furniture shopping for my clients. Today I woke up in this yellow tank top and it made me really happy because yellow makes me happy. And then I remembered that I had this lingerie set from Savage Fancy and I instantly put it on. And I swear if I had a corporate job, this is how I would go dress to work. Like who's going to stop me? On Triple Jack. Yeah, a bit of lingerie. 
Montre, I can't really say it properly. One Triple J caller once called it lingerie. They were like, oh, my girlfriend bought this new lingerie. Does anyone remember that? It was very funny. Um, but, yeah, people, lingerie, a blazer. That's the guys as well, by the way. But you might have seen this blow up. Apparently, HR managers having anxiety attacks because their Gen Z and young millennial workers are coming back into the office in clothing usually reserved for the nightclubs. I do want to know if this is actually a thing, though, or a massive beat-up. Like, maybe you agree. Like, you're finding that you're taking your clothing choices more seriously because you're back at work, you had lots of time in lockdowns, remote working, and so now when you go out and about and you meet your colleagues, you do want to make a bit of an effort. Let me know, 0439 757 Also, when did you get the tone very wrong? Like, was there a first day where you showed up and went, oh, no, why? This is not what people wear here. Um, we're going to ask our shake-up guests on this one as well. We've got Elfie Scott from the Left Right Out podcast and Chief Court Reporter at the Daily Telly, Perry Duffin. Perry, Court Reporter, you like to get formal, obviously. You're formal right now. You've yep. got your tuxedo on. Yep, it's looking hat. very, very smart. He's got his monocle in. Um, what do you reckon of this? Um, you know, I, I don't wear... I get away with the least formal thing that I can, usually in most scenarios. I'm terrible at formal dressing. I just sort of feel like the pandemic really was a gift to me in that regard, where they were just like, standards are gone, <laughs> and if everything's elasticated, T-shirts, it's all fine. So, you know, I don't know. I do show up to court and I try and make a bit of an effort, you know, put a collared shirt on or whatever, but there's people who show up in absolutely ridiculous, immaculate suits, a different one every day. And I just don't know where they get the energy. I just don't have it. Yeah, it's interesting. Elfie, what did you think of this story? Ugh, I thought it was such a beat up. Like <laughs> the video that like the video that you got that audio sample from, yeah. that chick doesn't even have a corporate job. I know, that's She's the thing. She's just dressing theoretically. Some of these people are like, if I had a job in an <laughs> office, I might wear this. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Also, do you think when we discuss these things that there is a bit of a sexist undertone here that men rarely get questioned oh about God, yes. what they wear, but women are often the target of this kind of commentary? Yeah, absolutely. It is so frustrating. I don't know if anybody else saw this, but there was a big uh, like Reddit explosion recently where somebody was talking about how they were an employer and they just couldn't bear to see the bra straps of employees poking out from underneath tank tops and they would send employees home if you could see that. What? It is, it's just so deeply sexist. And there's also like in Parliament, like we were talking to our Parliament House reporter who was saying, yeah, there's still all of these really hectic rules for women. Like you can't show a shoulder or anything, otherwise you get kicked out um, of like the the house. It's just, it seems really bizarre. It's a very... the shoulder is the most erotic part of the woman, <laughs> yeah, obviously. well, obviously in <laughs> 1901, um, somebody says, oh, how unusual boomers telling the younger generations what to do and how to dress. I'm shocked. Another person says, I work in an engineering firm and I've seen tops that wouldn't look out of place in the bedroom and tiny shirts and shorts. Somebody else says, not sure what's happening in the office, but the attire for gyms has become underwear. That's an interesting one. Do either of you go to the gyms and have noticed any change? What a Look at me. Of course I don't. <laughs> <Are you> serious? <laughs> what a question. Do either of you go to the gyms? Just check in. Question without notice, guys. Yeah, um, yeah, that's pretty huge. And someone says, I went to an event recently in formalish business attire and I felt a bit overdressed amongst a lot of... Uh, more of clubbing kind of outfits, so it goes both ways. I'm definitely one that never gets the tone right. Like I'll always show up to something. In the, and even this morning, so this morning I 
had to go on TV. I did this cross every Friday morning. I do this cross on TV. And this shirt that I'm wearing, guys, I'm wearing a button-up linen shirt. You're like, oh, here we go. You look great. It's a really nice colour. Well, thank you. But I got in my ear the producer of the TV producer saying, you need to button up. You're showing too much chest hair. Like I was being too provocative. So I don't know. What do you think? Am I inappropriate? I think I want more chest hair. Oh, stop. (laughs) Speaking, of, going, in, speaking you know? of inappropriate, I wish we had more time to talk about this, but a lot of memes this week about Adam Levine's sexting. Mm. And I know you've all seen it and I know we can't really talk about this because we don't have time, but so much good stuff that he said, like, I may need to see the booty. <laughs> I may need to see the booty and all the memes that are coming from it. Elfie, have you been getting right into these? Yeah, I love them. That um, that meme that's going around where everybody's changing the body photo. <laughs> <laughs> that body. Ooh. Yeah, Perry, have you been noticing all the stuff flying around the internet? You're like, I am a serious journalist. I do not engage in those no. memes. I mean, as soon as I hear about a DM getting leaked, I just have an instinct to look at it and think there, but for the grace of God, go I. Yeah. No. Terry, why would you say that on radio? What the hell? We've got that. We're going to clip that out and send it to your employers. It's it's, it's a horror story having your group chat leak. My God. Oh, God. No, it is true. Imagine that. That's true, actually. That's true. I wish we could delve into this more because I know you two have stories that you want to tell and I want to expose you and put you in awkward positions, but we don't have time. That's all. For the Hack Podcast, for the Hack Show, for the Shake Up for this week. We'll be back next week. Presenter journalist Elfie Scott, thank you. Thank you. Perry Duffin from The Daily Telegraph, always a pleasure. Thanks. Hack on Triple J. A huge thanks again to our Shake Up guests, Elfie Scott, Perry Duffin, and to the hardworking Hack crew, executive producer Claire Bloomer, senior producer Serge Negus, extra production by AJ Williams, and the rest of the team as well. That is all we've got time for on the Hack Podcast. We'll be back next week. Another big week of news. Coming for you. I'll catch you then.